everybody, welcome back to the Dharma Toolkit Podcast with me, Chandra Dasa. I'm delighted to be back with you on this breezy autumn fall day here in New Hampshire in the United States of America. We're recording this in October, in early October. The leaves are beginning to fall, the wind is blowing. It's not too cold yet, but you can tell that it's coming. So here in the Northern Hemisphere, things are moving in that direction. Of course, elsewhere, they're going in the opposite direction, moving towards a different kind of weather, different kind of warmth, different kind of rain, different kind of season. Our guest today is on the other side of the world from me. I'm delighted to be able to welcome to the podcast a very good friend of mine, someone I love spending time with when I'm in his home country of India. It's my good friend Dharmachari Arya Ketu, who's going to be talking to us today about some of his inspiring work through these COVID times, but also actually just over decades now. He's been working like a hero of the Dharma amongst the Buddhist community there. And he's going to be telling us about all of his work and particularly some new initiatives around extending opportunities for online learning and education into some of the poorest areas of his hometown. So welcome Arya Kitu. Thank you. Thank you, Chandra Dasa. Lovely to see you, my friend. It's a real treat to be able to record a podcast with you. It's really lovely to have you with us. So I was just describing autumn in New England, which yeah. is a sort of famous time of the year here. The colours are very beautiful in the trees and it's stormy and very atmospheric. Is it like that where you live? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now also the weather in India is really lovely and we are now moving towards the winter and it's getting cool that is much more uh, enjoyable, to be honest. We had a very heavy rain, and after that, it's getting cooler and cooler. So that's fantastic. Very good atmosphere. So you're not a fan of super hot weather? No, I don't like super hot weather. (laughs) (laughs) But the hot weather is good for health. So virus didn't attack human body in the hot weather in 44 degree or 45 degree temperature. There were less patients. Hmm. It's less corona and COVID patient, but because of the rainy season and now we are moving towards the winter, now the corona patients are increasing day by day. So for people who don't know you, where are you based in India? And maybe just tell us what's going on for you in your life at the moment. Oh yeah, India is a huge country, you know. I am based in Nagpur, which is exactly central part of India. And sometimes we call that we are living in the heart of India. And we have a zero-mile center point in Nagpur. Ah, so you're literally right at the heart of India. Right of, yeah, right on the heart of the India. Nagpur is such a lovely, lovely place. Especially we have a lot of Buddhist population. And in Nagpur we have a 3.5 million population. And out of 3.5 million, 1.5 million people are Buddhist. So it's good that this is the only city in India we are in majority, Buddhist people are in majority. But in every part of India, even in the other state and in the other cities, Buddhist people are in minority. And it's mainly because Dr. Baba Sahib Ambedkar, who done the mass conversion in 1956, 14 October 1956, with his 400,000 followers of Nagpur. And because of that mass conversion, many people took interest in Buddhism. They embraced Buddhism and they called themselves as a Buddhist people because of that conversion. But it doesn't mean that all the Buddhist people are practicing seriously. But nowadays, uh, people are now moving towards Buddhism gradually, gradually. They are learning, they are studying, 
and now they are practicing and now they are meditating as well people are taking interest in meditation and so on and so the great backdrop for this if you don't know the amazing story of dr ambedkar and his mm. work in india amongst the new buddhists of the 20th century was dr ambedkar's followers converting to buddhism to escape the caste system and to move away from their status as scheduled caste and so called untouchable that story is a bit more familiar in the West than it used to be, but it's still probably not nearly as well known as it should be. Is that story still something that's alive for young Buddhists today in Nagpur? Oh, yeah. This story, Dr. Baba Sahib Ambedkar done the karvas, and it's not because of solely one reason, just to get away from caste identity. That was one reason, but the main reason behind is that Buddhism is the only ism or is the only dhamma which is for the person's development. And Baba Sahib himself compared Buddhism with the other dharma, like Hindu dharma, like Christian dharma, with other. So all the dharmas are giving higher importance to their gods and their founder of their own religion. But only in the Buddha dharma, the morality in Buddha dharma, the Buddha has given the higher importance to morality. Baba Sahib said, what is morality? Morality is the Dhamma and Dhamma is morality. And morality for whom? Morality for people. And morality for the person who wants to behave nicely with the other person. So having that relationship, that is morality. It's a kind of human action. It's a karma. So this is something Baba Sahib believes very strongly why Buddhism is necessary to bring peace, equality, fraternity, and justice in India. So we're already deep into your work, aren't we? This is <laughs> two minutes in and we're already. Obviously, these days in the 21st century, if you find yourself born into the whole world of the scheduled castes, there are lots of people who might offer you pathways out of that political pathways, economic pathways. In your experience working, does the story of Dr. Ambedkar embracing the Dharma, the Buddha's Dharma, as the best solution? Does that still resonate with young people in Nagpur? Yeah, it's largely resonant with the young people. Nowadays, more young people are taking interest in the Buddhism, especially those are in higher education, those are engaged in the social work, or we can say the social revolution. So they are taking much more interest in Buddhism. But still, Hinduism is the most dominant dharma in India. And it's mainly because there is still so much illiteracy in India. People, those are educated, they can compare between the religion. But uneducated people, they really cannot compare. The only condition by scholars that only Hinduism is the best religion and you have to follow what Hindu dharma says. So it's mainly based on the karmakanda, based on the puja and the religious activities. 70% of the population are still illiterate in India. Out of 30% are people are not really aware of how religion works in India. So they are mostly trapped in the materialistic development or materialistic progress. So more younger people are now really trapped in the materialistic development or materialistic progress. But there are few young people now they are coming forward and they are taking interest. The picture has gradually, gradually changing. And the Baba Sahib himself said that it's a long process. It's a long process, but it's a sure process if people choose the right kind of religion that can make a 
real revolution in society and in general in the country. So you live in Nagpur. That's where you were born, right? Oh, yeah. Nagpur is my hometown. I didn't born here. I born in a small village. But after three months, I've been to the big city in Mumbai. And then after that, after three years, maybe when I was four years old, then we moved here in Nagpur because my father was working in a telephone department and he got transferred to Nagpur. And since then I am here. So it's kind of my hometown. I'm living with my family, wife and son. And <laughs> now he's because of the lockdown and because of the Corona crisis. So he is at home and now he's studying in IIT, Rudki, which is another state of India, which is in the north part near to Himalaya. That's a beautiful beautiful campus and beautiful area. But because of the lockdown, now he has to stay at home. Now his classes are going on. It's online classes are running on. So he's doing classes online from home. Is it useful that you're the kind of dad who knows a lot about computers and who can help? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Because we have a free Wi-Fi at our home and it's with good speed. So he's really benefiting a lot. Not only he's benefiting, but my Brothers, sons, and the near families are also benefiting from Wi-Fi we are having here. Now, we're going to talk in a little bit about the fact that for most people, they just don't have access to that kind of speed of internet. So it can make online learning difficult. And we're going to talk about some of your work around that area. But first, I'm interested in how did you end up running this amazing project, the Arya Loka Institute? just providing a way into technology and education for young people, giving them a pathway to training and then into good work in the area of computers and technology. I came into contact with Triratna Bodha Mahasangha. So Triratna is an international Buddhist organization. And I came into contact with Triratna at the age of 15. That was really a quite young age. I was moved by the teaching I received, which is meditation teaching. And I came into contact with my mind at the age of 15 and 16. And that was amazing. That was my big turning point. Mind was like mysterious for me. And uh, my teacher used to say that you should focus and you should be concentrate. And I thought that I always distracted. <laughs> and it was hard for me to get focus, you know. And uh, my mind, oh, still it's distracted. <laughs> But it used to be distracted and I was very much interested and I very much wanted to get focused and get concentrated. But it was too difficult. And since then, my journey began with Ratna. And then I came into contact with Buddhism and I came into contact with ethical practices and I came into contact with why Buddhism is important for personal development and so on. So that was the path I choose. And that's why I close all my... Other parts, I wanted to become a rich man, I wanted to become an engineer, I wanted to become an architect. Yeah, there was a lot of, we can say that at the age of 16, 17 and 18, that was the age where we see the dreams, what you want to achieve, especially the materialistic dream. But that was totally closed because I choose the path to develop myself. And when the time comes to earn my own livelihood, 
it's very important of course i was interested to earn my own livelihood and then i decided to work in the sangha as a full timer as a dhamma teacher then i decided that oh no as a dhamma teacher it means that i have to rely on other funding source you know and other donation i was very moved by the principle of right livelihood i learned in eightfold part it's a famous teaching buddha delivered given to his five colleagues at sarnath in that teaching he emphasized why right livelihood why we can say that the perfect right livelihood is important to make progress in the dharma life so i was moved by the right livelihood principle and also i was moved by bhante also emphasized on three c's the cooperative community and center so why cooperative and why community and why center this is the kind of manifesto of tri ratna international buddhist organization ya tri ratna bodh mahasangha i spent lot of time in communities in my young age before marriage 11 to 12 years i was in a community so i had a very good experience of living in community and working with others and living with others that was fantastic experience but there were not much right livelihood uh, projects in india run on the basis of buddhist principles so i have decided to start right livelihood project by my own which will run on the basis of buddhist principle and that will give me the right livelihood situation for myself as well as for others so that came in my mind in 1999 in october 2000 we have started arya loka computer education center in nagpur that's all excellent one of the ways we became friends was i work in technology you work in technology we're both yes. interested in the internet yes. there you are in the year 2000 start of a new century why did you choose computers specifically did you have a love were you a bit of a nerd Did you really love computers? <laughs> I remember that I joined the first computer course in 1993. That was long time ago. So there was no mouse. <laughs> It was totally black and white computer and I had to operate computer by using the keywords. That was very hectic, but I enjoyed that. And later on in 1996 and 7, I learned programming language. so i was and i am a very good programmer i am good in programming c and c++ and i have realized that so it skills are indispensable tool in 21st century without it one can recognize as illiterate person in india and i have realized that especially the, i would like to help the young people because i was young around that time 1998 and 99 and i have realized that IT skills are the indispensable tool that will help young people more effectively to enhance their life or to develop their life or they can live the life with dignity they can live the life with financial independence that was in my mind and because of that i started thinking seriously to start this project otherwise there were some other project also i was thinking to start for example export i visited windows trust cambridge 
and somebody suggested me you can start export import business and i have realized that okay if i start export import business that will be nice i can make lot of money for myself and for priratna moment but the intention uh, the dream i wanted to see to help many young people through it education i can help many young indian people but through export import i saw that no and then uh, somebody suggested me very strongly you can become a builder builder can make lot of money and i have realized that no my life is not made to make money i am more interested to start something which is really helpful for the benefit of society in large and that also help for me and my family as well so this is the bodhisattva spirit i was really very much influenced by bodhisattva spirit helping me to move on and helping me to find my own path how to live my life there are so many people wanted to live their life to make only money or to get fame but the bodhisattva life is that he really wanted to serve the world he really wanted to help the needy people help them to come out from their suffering and he really wanted to engage himself to help society in large the selfless act is a bodhisattva spirit it's a very beautiful motivation for your work it's quite inspiring to hear somebody as a young person just consciously deciding that there's a relationship between learning to work with your own mind and Yeah. move away from distraction and there's a relationship between that and then choosing to turn aside from a path of greed or yeah yeah a selfish path which just about your welfare or your money into this beautiful vision of trying to set up your life as a young person so you can help other young people yeah and you've been doing this for 20 years right so this is your 20th anniversary oh, yeah. year amazing yeah. amazing <laughs> so maybe give people an idea of before coronavirus so in normal normal times seems like a very long time ago but you know yeah. before the coronavirus how would young people be helped to area local what sort of courses would they do what would they go on and do with their qualifications so basically the idea behind to deliver basic computer education which includes typing so we just start with computer typing because this is very important our target group is especially the students from the slum area students from the very poor families those are not having any background of this kind of technology they saw maybe computers in television or somebody's office or somebody's home but they never had that kind of background of it technology so these people are really very much completely new to this it education literally when they join the course they just get scared even to touch the computer even to touch the mouse and we need to teach them from scratch from the basic level how to handle the mouse how to use the keyboard everything and i found it this is very enjoyable work just to introduce computer to these kids and help them to grow day by day so we teach them ms office basic skills computer typing and then we help them to move on to some advanced courses so we run one course which is the government 
recognized course, which is called MSCIT. This is Maharashtra State Certificate in Information Technology. It has got a lot of importance in Maharashtra and in India in general. And this certification course is very much useful and helpful in getting jobs in government sector as well as in private sector. So we tried our best that all the students from slum area and disadvantaged background should qualify at least this course so that they can get the job and they can earn their own money so that they can help their family, they can help their friends and they can help their sisters and brothers. And then we encourage people to move on to some advanced courses, especially the students, those are having accounting background. So we ask them to learn accounting skills, accounting software. And if some people have artistic background, we encourage them to join graphic design course or animation course. And if some students are good in mathematics, I encourage them to go in programming languages, go in the software sector so they can make a lot of money in software field. But at the same time, I help them to live their life with the Bodhisattva spirit the way I am trying my best to live the life with the spirit of a selfless act. This is important to develop that kind of networking in society so that can make a huge change and that will create the huge impact. Two related questions to that. One is, how old are the kids who come to you when they first come and when they leave? And then second question, this vision of as well as getting an education that is practical and useful for work, they also get a training in a culture. You're training them in a bodhisattva spirit. You want them to give back to society and to build a network where people care. Is that bit working? Yeah, Age group is, it's really in between 15, 14, 15, because I came into contact with this Bodhisattva part at the age of 15. So it's a nice age. <laughs> so, so I am interested in more this kind of age group. So we have 80% of students from age group between 15 to 25. And 20% of the students are about 25. That's why I felt always young. I don't feel that I am 48. Anyway, I am 40. I just celebrated my 48th birthday on 2nd of October, but I don't feel that I am 48. (laughs) I feel that I am young because I am always surrounded by the young students and I always been in touch with the young students. And every year, thousand students are learning different kinds of IT courses from Aryaloka Computer Training Center. Thousand students every year. So I would like to increase that number. Oh, how many students are carrying the spirit of selfless act or bodhisattva spirit? Oh, this is very difficult to judge, you know. But sooner or later, we came to know that this student is doing some kind of social work. That student is doing some kind of social work. He's earning very good amount of money, but he remember what he learned at Aryaloka to pay back to society and to do the social work. And one thing is that we train some students, those are really influenced by the spirit of Bodhisattva. We select the students and we train them as a teacher, as a mentor, as a potential leader who can go to their state, who can go to their hometown and start the similar project in their area. And because of these efforts, we have two centers in another state. 
Chhattisgarh State, and that's run by our ex alumni, ex student. He is running more effectively computer training center than me, <laughs> than us in Nagpur. They are much more effective. So this is likewise we would like to see that we will have more center in the different parts of India and will create a huge impact on the whole India. I hope so. In future, I don't know how long it will take to open many many branches in all parts of India. How long it will take? Maybe I need to take another another birth. <laughs> or maybe several birth. <laughs> you, yeah. can, you can cut down this part. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm going to keep that bit in. So it's been 20 years, as I say, that you've been doing this work. So happy anniversary. Congratulations on 20 years. I guess one of the things I'm aware of as your friend is that the pandemic has really interrupted that really? kind of sense of what you do and it's interrupted your anniversary year. There's not much to celebrate in a certain way, but I've been very impressed at just watching you completely pivot and change your direction in the spirit of the Bodhisattva, just moving what you're doing to change so that you can help people. If you can't get them to come and do classes, I know you're providing just material aid, food, support for people. And do you want to tell us a little bit about how the pandemic has affected your work? During this corona crisis, life has totally changed. The way the world was functioning, it was totally changed during this pandemic situation. So there was a lockdown since 22nd of March. So people were totally locked down for next two months. So that was horrible, especially the poor and vulnerable people, those lost their job. So no income and uh, no food. And our institute was totally closed. This is the first time the institute was totally closed on maybe for four or five months completely. And it was totally banned by the government that you could not run computer institute, coaching classes, and schools and colleges are still closed down. Yet government has not given any permission to start the schools. So how to move on? With a selfless act, it doesn't mean just to run computer institute. The selfless act means whatever need arises. The nature of selfless act is to respond to the needs arises now. Now. So during the lockdown, the poor and vulnerable people, they were in terrible situation. They lost their job, no income, no food. How can they survive in this lockdown situation? The government aid didn't reach to them during that period. So the organization, the small, small organizations, NGOs, NGO means non-government organizations, especially the NGOs are really working for the benefit of the society. So we came together and we started helping these poor and vulnerable people by providing ration kits, and dry food, and we help. Areloka is also the non-government organization. Institute was closed. And then our staff and our people, we came together and we helped 5,900 families by providing ration kits and dry food. And then later on, also we provided 2,000 masks to the poor children. They don't have a mask in the corona crisis. And now recently, the schools and colleges are running online, but still school colleges are closed. 
But because of less income, the poor families, they don't have enough income to buy the educational material for their children. So Arya is providing notebooks, registers, long books, drawing books, pen and color box and some stationery to these poor kids. And we have targeted to support 2,500 students by providing these educational materials. So in this way, we are trying to help whatever need arises. And in some cases, we also supported medical aid as well. But it has creating a huge impact on the education system as well. So now recently, the government introduces the online education center. But these the poor families and poor kids, they don't have mobile. They don't have Android phones. They don't have good internet connection. So how can they join online education? How can they learn? So this is really terrible. So it has really creating a huge impact, a bad impact on education. So the coming generation, I don't think that they will survive with this new kind of online learning environment. This is very important. We just need to create that kind of learning environment in the slum area and encourage more children from slum area that now this is the way forward and this is the future. Come on, kids. Come on, people. You should upgrade yourself and you should enter into that learning environment. Otherwise, if they lose education, they will be more poor and they will be in a more bad condition and they will be treated as a slave in the future. And there is a chance that slavery will increase in India. I can see the future and we need to create online learning in the slum areas and introduce these children. So what is it you can actually do? Because obviously people are too poor to afford fast broadband connections on their own. So you're recognizing that. What's the plan you have for going into the slums and providing access points for people to come and take advantage of online learning? Yes, yes. especially online learning environment, we should have a very good Wi-Fi connection. It's very important. It should be a good speed, at least 20 Mbps or 15 or 20 Mbps. It's enough for online learning. And the poor kids and the children from slum area, they don't have an Android phone. But some people do have an Android phone, but they don't have a very good internet connection or very good speed. So they really cannot join online classes. And also there is huge distraction in the slum area. So they cannot focus on online classes because they don't have an environment in the family. The parents are not really aware of, they are not really giving more importance to the education. The parents are not educated, so they do not encourage or inspire their children to join online classes and so on. And the family is disturbed sometimes because of the poverty. There are always quarrel in the family. So that's why Areloka is planning to open a center in the slum area. And that center will create an online learning environment for these kind of students. Those cannot join online classes in their homes. So we are encouraging them to come to the center and we will provide them mobile phones and we will have some computers, maybe secondhand computers and very good Wi-Fi, very good internet connection with high speed 
and also we will have a mentor we will appoint the mentor at that center who can inspire children who can inspire the young boys and girls young men and women from that slum area that you should come to the center and join online classes and also help them how to learn things online and so on at the moment we are focusing on four slums and i hope in one center maybe 200 students will take benefit from one center in that slum area when we spoke about this before you were talking about there are millions of people live in the slums and yes yes it's very very hard for people in the west i think to understand the scale of of some of the slums mm-hmm. in places like nagpur so one center is not going to be enough and you're you're always ambitious no. what's your plan for centers how many would you ideally like to open at the moment we've done the baseline survey the research in the four slums of nagpur and those are uh, near to our uh, present center and then we have a ex alumni living in that center as well and they are also ready to help us in that slum area and we would like to establish first four centers in the four slums of nagpur and now there are 55 slums in nagpur and they are really very big slums it's very hard to reach these 55 slums but i really wanted to start this project on pilot basis and once it gets success because this is the new idea and the first time we are implementing this idea in the slum once it gets successful i will introduce to the other ngos other organizations maybe the government social department i will introduce i hope that will encourage them to replicate such kind of model elsewhere so where can people support you i know that you've got a just giving page for this particular project that'd be very good we can pass it on in the show notes for this podcast how can people support you best oh basically i raise funds through my western friends actually and my friends in india i'm sure something will come out i am contacting different kinds of sources as well and it will be nice if we will able to raise some funds through individual donations because this is the new idea and the pilot project and once it get popular then the ngos and the government sector then they copy <laughs> copy this model in the future so in the beginning only the one source to raise funds through the individual my friends from the east and the best. Well, we'll include a link in the notes to your just giving page and people can hopefully be inspired by this amazing work that you do. It's amazing watching you talk about it. You're always so bright. It's like you literally light up. Your whole being just lights up with the sort of joy and the play of work for the dharma in this particular way. It's very inspiring. I'm I'm sure this spirit of selfless act will work. That's what it's going to see on your gravestone eventually. I am sure that the spirit of the selfless act will work. Arya Kato, noble hero of the Dharma. Yeah, well thank you very much for joining us today to talk about this amazing work that's going on in some of the hardest conditions of coronavirus in our own community in Triratna. It's very good to hear the stories of I suppose people's desire to study and to practice the Dharma, you know, wherever you are, whatever your conditions are like, just knowing that there are people in completely different worlds in a way. who feel part of the same sangha same community as us who're finding amazing ways to keep practicing and 
keep giving to others. So thanks for your example, Ariketu. I look forward to seeing you on the Buddhist Centre online in other ways. Ariketu has been teaching some Hindi meditation classes for us, and we're going to be doing some more projects like that, teaching Buddhism to people in the West whose first language is Hindi, which is very exciting. And thank you very much, Chandranasa and the BuddhistCentre.com, inviting me and introducing my story to the podcast. Thank you very much. Jai Bhim, Namo Buddhai. Namo Buddhai, Jai Bhim, Arya Ketu, thank you for your story. If you'd like to follow Arya Ketu's work, please do look at the links in the show notes. You can see the amazing stuff that goes on at Arya Loka, and in fact that goes on throughout our community in India, in Nagpur and Pune and various other places. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Dharma Toolkit. In the meantime, we hope you stay safe and well and continue to find sources of inspiration in person if you're able to, if not online. And we'll be here for you as usual with online meditation, online practice and ways to connect with the Sangha around the world. But for now, take care. Bye bye.